everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined by Artemis, our lovely engineer in the background. And we have three guests for you today. We have Jintan, Sothersil, and Dirk Satil, who all run player ran player organized tournaments, player ran tournaments. And so, Jin, if you want to start off by introducing yourself. Hello, yeah, I am uh, I am the wearer of many fancy suits, as you might have seen in the AT broadcast. And I'm also organizing the Captain's Cup, which is a tournament that will be taking place primarily in March, although we have our feeder rounds on the 25th and 26th of February. I've had a long history of organizing tournaments in EVE Online. I ran two back in 2018, one which went well, one which didn't go well, and I've basically been a talking head in most tournaments in the past seven or eight years, somehow, despite having never been part of a major team. All right, and Soth? Hi, I'm Sothrasil, used to be an FC for Goonswarm. Nowadays I organize Logi and booster groups within Goonswarm, and I also do organize tournaments. You might know me from the Anger Games. Hi, and Dirk. I, yeah, I'm also a retired Goonswarm FC. I've run Goonswarm teams for... The Angie Games for the Alliance Tournament, the Alliance Open. I've been involved in producing the Anger Games for the last couple of uh, iterations that we've had. I, I work quite closely with Sothersil. And generally, yeah, I, I push buttons in the background. I've, I've been responsible for streaming the Anger Games the last couple of times around, and... Yeah, trying to figure out the rules and everything as we as we go is basically what Soth and I do. We we do things in the background and we let people like Jin talk in in the front of house about how teams work and and how the tournament is going. Definitely very back 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 end, you know, in the background kind of people. Soth, Russell, and I generally. I gotcha. And I know Jin's more front of house, as we see on this clip here that Artemis is showing, where he's actually sitting on the desk talking about tournaments, or during a tournament, I guess, too. So I kind of want to give some folks in the chat history, because I know not all of them are big nerds like us, but they just love tournaments, so they know everything that happens. So EVE Online her tournament history goes all the way back, I think, almost to the start of EVE Online, but we're going to kind of keep it a little bit shorter and maybe just go for this last year. I know we had Anger Games, but I believe five last year. Do you guys... Soth and Dirk, do you want to talk us through Anger Game 5, Anger Games 5, and how that went? Well, we, we just came off of reviving Anger Games with Rebirth, and we, we expected to go alongside the, 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 same, the same kind of way. We thought, hey, maybe we get like 25, 30 teams. We, we were planning for, for that size of a tournament and then we had 48 teams sign up which yeah kind of uh, wrench into our plans <laughs> well, well wait when you're when you're thinking hey okay we we've got this format that is built for 32 teams we don't think we're gonna get 32 teams but like this is this is how we build built the the format and then suddenly you have like an an over commit in in that sense you know, you've you've got 48, 50 teams who've signed up and want to be involved. You kind of have to <laughs> just flip things around. You, you're you're kind of scrambling 
at, at the end of the day to figure out, okay, how do we accommodate all of this extra interest? Right? And, and this is, this goes back to, as Soft mentioned, Angie Games Rebirth, which was Angie Games 4. And Angie Games Rebirth was kind of like the first Angie Games after the tournament hiatus in EVE Online. And I, I, I don't think we should really kind of gloss over that too much, because CCP did say, hey, we're not doing tournaments for a while. And, and so the, the Alliance Open that EVE NT ran in 2020, I think it was, you know, that, that was really the kickstart to get the EVE tournament scene moving again. And, and I'm super happy that we collectively have managed to get things going again. But it, it was an effort for a while, right? Yeah, I think you're actually you're you're kind of sugarcoating what you're saying, or not sugarcoating. You're saying something a little different to what CCP actually said at the time. When the Alliance tournament was put on hiatus back in 2018, it was promised that that would come with like support for player run community, player run tournaments to. Yeah, that's that a fair point. But that's that's a topic but we'll probably get onto later. Yeah. Either way, the point that I was trying to make there is that we, we had a, a huge, a, a long break, like 18, 18 months or whatever, of no tournaments whatsoever. And even T really kick-started it with the Alliance Open, and then we kind of managed to run Anchor Games Rebirth, which was a, a big thing in terms of the player-run tournaments, rather than trying to run something similar to what CCP had done, trying to resurrect this different format and yeah it, it worked out and and now we have obviously Jin's uh, captain cup which is going to be great as well so two things i know i know i said i want to keep the history brief with only the last year but we keep going further than that and i feel like i feel like if we don't touch on it all it's going to like paint this really like convoluted picture cuz like so we had the pandemic in 2020 and that was like going on two years of no alliance tournament, right? So 2019 didn't have one, but it had the, what would, what would you call it? I forget what they, it was like the world sort of CCP. The, sort the of World's like world Collides tour. tour. Yeah, the World's Collides Tour. So, and then that one could actually be played remotely, but then that was supposed to like have a fi finale at FanFest and then FanFest never happened. The pandemic happened. And so there was like this huge gap of people just being like, hey, we won the tournament. What do we do? And so that's where Geronix actually started the 5v5s, which... You guys do this amazing work with your production and like setting everything up. And Jeronix was like, here's a spreadsheet, pick a ship, pick a team, let's go. And it was like this kind of hodgepodge of like, I don't, I don't know what you would call it, like sort of like friendly game of basketball where all the neighborhood kids come around the court and it's just kind of like people pick their teams kind of randomly. And there's like really no history beyond just like who the players are. They just kind of pick random positions or a ship and then they just duke it out for like one or two matches and they switch it up again. And that uh -huh. was... That was like somehow like the little the little breadcrumbs bridging the gap between like this like oh like a desert of no tournaments to now we have Alliance Open now we have Anger Games Five and like this big boon of people just saying yes we want organized tournaments. I, I think what you what you said about bridging the gap is absolutely right. Yeah, it it, it was like it it was just something to keep people interested, N not to you know, suggest that the 5v, 5v5s were, you know, minor or anything, but definitely it was like, it, it had less format, it had less structure, and 
it, it, it kind of helped make sure that people who were interested in tournaments stick, stuck around, right? Like, they didn't stop playing EVE entirely. They, they kept doing things. And, and Sorry to cut you off. 5v5s started on Sissy, whereas we were always focused on running our tournaments on Thunderdome because we have the tools there and we can make sure that we are running a fair tournament, right? That that there isn't even the possibility of someone cheating, that we can check fittings. Someone might even not know that, that they went against the rules, right? And that was the reason why why we didn't do another anger games just because Thunderdome wasn't working and, and the tools weren't working. No, that's a good shout too, right? Because you as players, right? So you guys are dedicating all this time and in order to entice players to join, you usually have like an entry fee to avoid, you know, people trolling and submitting a team and then never showing up, but also for prizes, right? So if you're dedicating Plex or skins or even like Jin with his physical trophy, like if you're dedicating all this time and effort on the line, you want at least some way to validate that the tournament you're running is you know a valid and fair tournament and like as fair as you can be right we're not none of us have the tools like gms do to kind of like you know go behind the scenes but we have thunderdome at least is the closest we can get as players so yeah for sure so um, i know i know you touched on this i mean i was gonna say like i know ccp promised in 2018 to help or 2018 2019 to help players with their player run tournaments I'm guessing that never happened. Can you guys expand on that? Uh, yeah, so I, I was kind of first up in line, I think. Uh, was uh, was my yeah. tournament uh, you, you, before? You, you led the charge. Yeah. And this is actually something that I'd brought up in conversations whilst I was, because I was part of the CSM at the same time. So I'd spoken to some relatively senior people in CCP. I'd laid out, hey, he, there, these are the things we're going to need to be able to run a tournament, specifically... I need you to be able to post some stuff on social so people know it's an official tournament. I need access to Thunderdome. I need this many accounts on Thunderdome. And most of that happened. The problem came in that when we attempted to use Thunderdome, it didn't work. And we only had access to Thunderdome two days before the tournament actually started. And it was like on a Thursday or a Friday, so there was no way that it was going to get fixed. So we had to postpone the tournament and as a result of that, our streamer wasn't able to be there, so we weren't able to stream the tournament. And it kind of, it, it was a bit of a letdown, you know, when you spend two to three months organizing a tournament, organizing a broadcast, you're trying to collect, you know, 100, 200 people in one location just for one event. And then you want to be, you know, scheduling cast members and all that as well to be there at the same time. For all of that organization to go out the window two days before an event, it's just, it's brutal when you don't have... Well, when you're effectively just doing it for the fun of it, because that's primarily why all of us run tournaments, I assume. You know, none of us are getting paid out of it. We just love the game. I love seeing what happens when people are given competitive problems in EVE. And it sucks that one of the opportunities that we had to kind of keep that going wasn't able to be brought to proper conclusion. Yeah. Least, yeah. Know, one that was positive. It, it, it was definitely... The, the Streamfleet Invitational 2, which is the tournament that Jin's referring to there. Definitely, I, I was running a team for that. Jin, you know, had been kind enough to invite me and my friends to to play. And we were trying to trying to make everything work, right? We're, we're there on Thunderdome on, on a Thursday, Friday night, testing things out, 
trying to make sure that the stream will run, the tournament will will run properly, and it just doesn't happen. And and to to have that be un- unfortunately CCP's responsibility, right? Like at, at the time they they'd said that they could deliver this, and what we actually got was a broken server and and no tools to support it. That was that that was pretty brutal. It, it it was rough. We we managed to make it work by recording the the matches, recording some commentary, and and getting it out on YouTube, as I, I recall. But it it wasn't the same as having that that live streamed. You're on the edge of your seat watching this match that you're really excited about. Experience. So yeah, I, I, uh, I do think it's important to mention that this wasn't out of malice from CCP's perspective, though. It's pretty much it, like yeah. it wasn't like CCB sat down and said, "Mwahaha! Today we're going to destroy the tournament scene." No, it was just a resource prioritization decision and a little bit of incompetence and, and not really know knowing what you were getting into. At the end of the day, running a you know a shard server of Eve Online is very hard. There's a lot that goes into the code to make an Eve Online server work. Um, it's absolutely very complex, and they just kind of like. Overcommitted and underdelivered. That unfortunately, that that's kind of yeah. Yeah, it was it was something I was very bitter about for for quite a good while. As uh, Dirk has been on the receiving end of, but I'm not going to bring that uh, up today. I mean that that also happened to the Anger Games, right? Like uh, Anger Games three was was suffered from CCP saying, "Hey, we we want to do this. We want to be engaged with this," and then not being able to deliver their that on their promises, right, Soth? It 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 was a bit different, as in that when we started organizing AG three, we were talking to CCP Logi Bro, and sadly, he was let go by the company shortly before the tournament was about to happen, which then meant we had to talk to CCP. I forgot his name. I'm bad with names, by the way. Uh, it was the community team. CCP At God. the time, it would have been God, yeah. Yeah. And I actually got to talk to him at Evesterdam, which was the week before the tournament was supposed to happen. And that day, I found out that they didn't know how to give people access to Thunderdome. So a week before the tournament, and... We didn't have access for for anyone to to play on Thunderdome, right? But the the only way we would have been able to run the tournament, so we had to cancel. But you can't really put that on Guard or or anyone else in the community team because they were just thrown into it as much as we were, right? So, so yeah, in, in terms of the tournament scene, I. I... Do you just want to point out, as much as we, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna get into it later, but yeah, there's there's some bits of bitterness and questions when it comes to CCP and and tournaments just generally. It it's it it's been a long hard road to get to where we are now, and where we are now is actually pretty solid. So yeah. So besides the comeback of player run tournaments, we talked about like the five v fives. Alliance Open, Anger Games 5. So that all happened between 2018 and now. What other factors do you think contributed to that? Is there, this is my way of asking if you want to give anyone a shout-out. Oh, we'd be a big shout-out to Suetonia. 
he pushed kind of relentlessly during his time on the CSM, even after I'd finished my term for improvements to the tournament scene. And then obviously there is CCP Aurora, who is pretty much like the resurrectionist of tournaments in EVE Online. She took the whole Thunderdome concept under her wing, plugged away at it. I'm sure she had many sleepless nights figuring out code that I can possibly understand and figuring out how to get that thing, not just, you know, to a functional state, but to a state where it was probably better than it ever had been for the start of AT17, which was the official revival of CCP-run competitive tournaments. And uh, most of all, CCP Aurora also started doing it in a smart way that they involved people out of the tournament scene in in actually getting Thunderdome back up, getting the tools running again, by having us help and test these things and having us give feedback on on what we need, what priorities should be, in instead of just doing it in the dark, right? That both probably made her work easier and at the same time it gave us the signal, hey, this is actively being worked on. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a person involved in the tournament scene at this point who will underestimate CCP Aurora, Aurora's like commentary. She was Katalia Mist of Brave before she became a CCPer. She was a community team member, and she was still trying to make the servers work. She was learning to to code the changes that we needed. On her own time, effectively, you know, she was she was still dealing with fan fest, with player events, all all the rest of the the community teams work, and she was doing tournaments because she loved tournaments, right? She used to lead the brave team. She absolutely fantastic. If you'd like to, if you'd like an interesting piece of chronology, there, Catalia was actually sorry. Aurora was in the process of applying for her job at CCP during Streamfleet Showdown Invitational 2, whilst she was also the captain for Brave in that tournament. I mean, we, we, we had a... We actually did a really interesting breakdown of the Goon Swarm versus Brave team for Streamfleet Invitational. But again, it was one of those things where we had to do it after the fact and, and comment on the recording rather than doing it live. Yeah. CCP Aurora is probably single-handedly responsible for the resurrection of any sort of tournament in EVE Online. Player on or not, just all of them. So I know CCP Aurora has since switched, I believe, roles at CCP. She's no longer on the community team. Do you know if any other dev has sort of picked that up? Yeah, that'll be the domain of CCP Zealots now, who has been hired, I believe, with tournaments as his specific domain who's actually a long a long-standing member of the tournament community as well being a referee and general organizer for event he's yeah, refereed uh, a great many alliance tournaments and he's been fantastic to work with i can't praise him enough for how yeah, easy C- and he's been to work with as a organizer ccp zealous was a previously general stargazer some people might know him under that name and i i'd, I'd second Jin's comments there. He's great to work with. He's always willing to, to help you out, even if you ping him at, you know, 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, right? He's he's going to give you a response pretty quick. And 
and help you figure out whatever it is that your your problem is. So yeah, CCP are doing really well on the on the tournament support front nowadays, in the the vein of Aurora and now Zealous and actually actually trying to understand the issues that we have and figure them out. That's that's really good news to hear. I'm really glad CCP has realized such the. I know. I believe it was back in 2018 when they announced the pause. Everyone was like, no, tournaments are the lifeblood of this game. And maybe it was kind of dramatized and, you know, over-exaggerated. But I think people really, really saw that in 2020. And then with the revival of tournaments now, apologies, my cat is being obnoxious. But so now we're present day 2023. We have Captain's Cup coming up. I know Dirk and Soth pre-show you mentioned the reasons for No Anger Game 6, I think is the name I gave it. Do you guys want to touch a bit about that? Because I know you're still super involved in the tournament community. Well, there's, we were... there's not a no Angie Game 6, just to be clear. We just haven't made the decision yet. We haven't pulled the trigger. We were, we were planning to do it somewhere around March or April, because that's usually the time we, we run our tournament in. But that would have clashed with Jinton's Captain's Cup. So we we looked at it. We 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 looked at how much time we have between the captain's cup and the next AT, and that would have been just too hard on teams. It it would have meant going from one tournament to the next to the third with basically no downtime in between. So we decided, hey, we're not going to do one in between captain's cup and and the AT. And instead, we're going to look at possibilities again once the AT is over. Yeah, I, I think that's really the thing, is just that the timeline didn't really work out, right? Like, we had the last AT in November of 2022. Uh, we've got an AT coming in August this year instead, so there's not a, a, a year's time, there's like nine months and you've got to think that uh, a tournament cycle a, a tournament cycle isn't just when the tournament starts and when the tournament finishes a tournament cycle is like three months before the tournament officially has its first matches because teams are looking at the rules they're doing theory crafting they're practicing for the the, the general situation and so Nine months to have three tournaments in is just not not possible. Uh, you, you, you'd end up having people burning out massively trying to trying to do it in that sort of time frame. So that yeah, kind of, that kind of exposes some of the differences between e competitive Eve play and like more traditional esports. In that we don't Eve Online does not have an inbuilt competitive format. You cannot. You know, go into EVE Online, hit ranked queue, and play something that's going to be a facsimile of competitive play. It is a, a, a format that tends to be decided outside of the game. And because of that, you end up with it being a lot more of a theory crafting exercise and a lot more, a lot less of a, an execution challenge. I do, I do yeah. wish that one day we would have some equivalent to a ranked queue in EVE, but I know a lot of people would probably not agree with that. <laughs> yeah, like de definitely the 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 time that you spend preparing for a tournament in Eve Online is 
so much different to the time you spend actually playing matches in the tournament, right? You you could potentially in in, in Eve Online generally you're it, it, it's single elimination, right? The the Angie games single elimination, the Alliance tournament single elimination, and if you lose two matches in a row, you've spent fifteen minutes potentially. 10 minutes, potentially, right? You, you, you could be 5 minutes in the first match, 5 minutes in the second match, and you're done. You're out. And that kind of general approach, you, you've potentially spent hours and hours and hours preparing for your 10 minutes of, I, I lost this match. <laughs> yeah, who, who would possibly practice for uh, 3 months and then go 0-2 in a, four, in a format like Anger Games 5? It's it's so rough. It, it it really can be so rough, and it, it's very different, like you say, to to ranked in other games where you 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 join a queue and then you're into a ranked match, and it's it's a very different environment. You, I, I'm not entirely sure how to describe it, but you make a very very fair point. And also, this this brings us on to, I, I think, quite naturally, what you're doing differently with your format this year, Jensen. Like, what what what's what's going on here that makes uh, makes people less likely to go five minutes and out? So, my my format in that regards has a couple of differences. I'm really focusing on series play in my tournament. Uh, so, as long as you make it past the first weekend. If you have to go, if you, you know, everyone has to go through the first weekend, which is a brutal, brutal feeder, because I had the exact same issue that Dirk Witt did, where I planned for a small amount of teams, specifically 16, and I ended up with just over 50 applying, with 45 of them completing the actual sign-up and rostered submission and everything at this point, which is just a phenomenal amount of people. So we've got to grind all those down to 16. It's a great problem to have, isn't it? It is. I think it just shows like the amount of interest there is in the community, though. It's really, it's always really awesome to see. You know, the fact that significantly more teams than you'd need to run a tournament want to partake in it, and not only want to partake in it, are jumping over themselves to do so. We had twenty-two entries to a sixteen-man tournament within the first second of applications being open, and by the end of the hour, we had forty, which yeah. was something. It's one of those things where you kind of look at it and you go, okay, so we need to find a different way to manage this because, oh my god, <laughs> what is wrong with people? But yeah, in, in once you get past that, if you get into the, the main tournament, you can't be eliminated without losing a best of three, which adds a huge amount of time. It is a big time sink for the broadcast. That's why you probably will never see it done in the Alliance tournament or similar. But it means that all teams will get a chance to play at least, you know, f- at least three games before they're eliminated, and uh, hopefully teams will get to play a lot more than that. Equally, I've kind of made the the team construction a little different to how it's traditionally been run. Traditionally, you have a points by system where ships are assigned a given value, and you have to add them all up to one hundred, and that's the ships you're going to use. Whereas I've taken my inspiration from the abyssal arenas, which are relatively new phenomenon on tranquility or at least feels new to me i'm a boomer i've been around in this game for like 13 years i think they were introduced like three years ago and i still consider that new where you, you pick... we're all boomers 
We're literally Ronald Bomas. Are we the bitter vets? We are the bitter vets. <laughs> but yeah, so rather than rather than having the points by system, you instead pick one ship from a range of options in one of six different slots, and that means that it would be something that you could actually run using abyssals in theory on tranquility, which is something that I would, uh, you know, I'd love to see that happen at some point. I'm trying to develop basically a format that you could run as a ranked queue in, in EVE Online. So I know we've been talking a lot about single elimination, double elimination, the fact that there's nothing like this really in the tournament, or in EVE Online, so it has to be all sort of thought up of by players and organized by players, and ideally, hopefully, a way that can't be influenced by outside players. But what do you guys think of the Abyssal Arenas? I know there's some thoughts of, like, I think they have, like, weekend sort of things of, hey, here's your ships that you can enter as, here's your fits. What do you guys think of that? Do you think that is a potential introduction for tournaments on TQ that don't re you know require all this foresight and whatnot? Well, so... as far as I know, the Abyssal Arenas are still... Like what's what's the maximum of players that that you can go in with? It depends on the filament. You're you're probably thinking of the PvP rooms at the end of T fives and T sixes, which don't exist anymore. Oh. The the so the abyssal fil the abyssal arenas are just little filaments you can undock. You activate them, and it takes you into basically a queue. And then when there are two times as many people as the arena requires queued up, it will fire, and you get shunted into a random little instance, and you get to fight to be the last person standing out of everyone who goes in there, and typically they're themed, so, you know, I remember I played a lot in one which was Amar frigates only, and had to be all tech one fit and stuff like that, so you can see people run around finding weird autocannon punisher fits and all sorts of things like that, and these are great, but the pro but they suffer from a couple of limitations that make them not ideal for like tournament play. The first being that because they have to be up for a minimum of twenty four hours, there's no real like easily identifiable peak time that would allow teams to get on together if you wanted to do for say the three v three or four v four sized ones to have you know a competitive environment. You'd need to be able to limit them to like hey you know we playing between 1900 and 2200 or 0100 and 0400, the queue will be open and you can join up with a team of five or six or, you know, up to 10 even. You could probably run some sort of format 10v10, but I imagine that would get very, very horrible to balance. I do, I think that they would make a good, a good way for people to run tournaments. It, the problem is that they just haven't been utilized in that manner as far as I'm aware. I mean, CCP also tried to get something along those lines with the Proving Grounds, right? Oh, the, uh, that's what we're talking about, right? The, oh, Abyss, okay. the Abyssal Arenas and the Proving Grounds filaments are the same thing, aren't they? That's what I've understood, yes. Yeah, I think they're just different There's different things that mean the same thing. Ah, uh, okay. Well, different ways of saying the same thing. I think Proving Grounds is accurate to what they are in the client. But yeah, the, the fact that they have, like, a... Uh, a leaderboard and all that sort of thing so that people can gain like approval people get really unique rewards out of it is really awesome i i love the proving grounds i try and play in them whenever there's one that's relatively affordable like the destroyer ones and the frigate ones you normally catch me running at least you know 10 or 20 ships into into a rack in those but they just don't they don't have the same scale and gravitas that larger tournaments do just due to the fact that they 
if you have like a 5v5 or higher than that requirement for team size, generally you're just not going to find matches in the Proving Grounds, unfortunately. It's something that's been tried a fair few times and it's just not not really worked, which I think is really unfortunate because there's so much demand for tournaments from tournament players. It just seems like they don't want to do it on Tranquility. And I, I honestly am not entirely sure why that is. I, I... <laughs> I'd actually jump in and say that I don't think it's that they don't want to do it on Tranquility, but it's that they don't want to subject themselves to the the random chance, right? Like w- w- when it comes to when it comes to tournament stuff, we we've talked already about how tournaments you, you're in a you're in a four, three four month cycle from the start of a a, a tournament. Like when the rules are released and practicing and trying to figure out what you're going to use and then actually getting into the tournament, it's three or four months worth of work. And so I, I think the thing is that when it comes to the Abyssal Arenas and what have you, players kind of would be interested, but they also have this kind of thing where they want to make sure they get it right. They 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 want to have put in the time and figured out the the meta, and that's not possible when you only have twenty four hours of uh, of time or forty eight hours worth of time before you can b- before the the arena is finished right before it stops being available. We we spend so much time trying to figure out how, how this works before actually committing to it. And like I think a lot of that has to do with how how much time it actually takes to to set up things on Thunderdome for a tournament, right? Because the the rule set has to be implemented by by CCP so the tool works. Then they need to hand out login details to every player that is participating, which for something like Anger Games Five was over a thousand players. Right, and these need to be handed out individually to each player. So yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a lot of kind of work by hand almost. Yeah, and, and um, it comes back to our CCP saying, "Hey, we're going to deliver you better tools for for tournaments." And sadly, they haven't really held up that. The, their end of that yet zealous is working on it and like i i personally don't really blame him for for things not being not coming as fast as as we would want them to because he's just one guy trying to do it right but yeah he's not he's not getting developer support or anything for this he's he's doing it himself aurora was doing it herself it it, it was manual improvements and kind of run by the people who care about tournaments at CCB. It's not as if they get to drag another development team in and go, hey, we we, we want to code a a, a deliverable tool. They they don't get that sort of support, unfortunately. So so I think if, if we could have easier access to Thunderdome or even usable tools on Tranquility, which I, I know we're never going to get, 
because tranquility I, I, I was, would be I was told, fantastic, you know, but yeah, yeah. They, they, we they, will never get it. So they, they they don't trust us with the security issues, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah, you know. if we could have easier access to to Thunderdome and an easier way of implementing rules onto Thunderdome, then I think we would see a lot more small tournaments in between the big ones. See, I disagree with you on that. I, I definitely see the point on the tooling and if we could get this kind of thing. But one thing that I don't think a lot of people kind of comprehend is that these things take time and effort, right? Like, we, we, we've historically, when it comes to the Anger Games, we, we run the Anger Games in late April, early May. We start planning for that shit in December. Yeah, we do. We, we, we but... spend a lot of time trying to plan and announce and figure it out. And so when you're when you have people who are looking to run, I mean, Jin, the, the, this tournament, the Captain's Cup, that's coming up very soon and, and we're all very excited about. You've been planning for this for how long? Depends on how you want to look at it, but I did send in my first application for the tournament in August of last year. Yeah, so like six months. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm running an operation that is slightly more downscaled compared to you guys. I've probably put in two months of like semi-hard work to get it to where it is. It's just going to be a question of whether it actually ends up working as smoothly as I hope it does. This is the thing, right? Like, the, the, the issue isn't just having the players be excited about it and interested in it, which I, I think all of us have proved. The players are interested and they want this. But you, you also have to think about, okay, somebody has to turn around and say, I'm going to run it. I'm going to put in sure. the time and the effort. And but, but, but Dirk, when, 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 yeah. you can, when you can literally go, hey, in two weeks' time, let's just... Let's just use the AG5 rule set and just, you know, ban healers because they were too overpowered and just use that in two weeks. I, I think you will have people respond to that. I mean, I you, you, you did that. That was basically what Anger, Anger Games 5 Aftermath was. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't disagree. I'm just saying that in the end, somebody has to put in the work to start with. And somebody has sure, to sure, but, to be but, the guy that runs it to start with, and then you when, can you can do whatever you want beyond that. But it, it's just yeah. But, the the, but the thing is when when you can do it in in a smaller time frame. When when you can go, hey, let's do it in two weeks. You have less pressure of getting everything right, right? Be because that there's less people involved, right? That there's and, and the thing is if if you don't get it right, well you do it two weeks later again and you fix your issues. Right? You can't do that right now because it takes so much time to implement things into the tool set to get everyone ready, everyone like for the tournament. That's why you need so much time ahead of the <laughs> tournament. No, that's a very fair point. The lead time is definitely not just for the teams and practicing. The lead time is definitely also for the the production team and figuring out the back end. That's a very yeah. fair point. 
So we've touched on this quite a bit already. I kind of want to pivot to Jin's tournament because that's like the big hype thing that's coming up. I know, I think everyone here besides maybe Artemis is involved in the tournament too. We're, we're, we're so hyped. So hyped for it. So Jin, you say you started planning this way back when in August. Do you want to kind of start there? Yeah, like... so my, my original plan was actually to run it after Angry Games 5 in that year. But due to just how the... Because we weren't at that point certain when AT was going to be because it hadn't been announced. So I was planning like, oh, okay, if the August slot, like the, sub, the mid of, middle of the year slot is open, I want to take that and run with it. So I had a conversation with Zealous, and it became very obvious that that was going to intercede with the tournament, with the Alliance tournament, which is, you know, the headliner of the calendar as far as EVE Online competitive play is concerned. And I didn't really want to run it in December, like November, December, because that is a rough time to be running a tournament if you are someone who has, you know, a family and likes to go and do things with them around that period, which, which I do. So I shifted over into March. And after then, it was, I don't want to say it was easy, because it never is. I just have the benefit of being really ingrained in the scene. You know, I'm good friends with every, everyone in this call. I've met and worked with Zealous countless, countless times. And it was very easy for me to just send a few emails across, kind of gather up the staff and start putting things together. The, the real hard part comes in when things happen that are unexpected. Like, as we said, you get too many people coming in to a tournament. You have to figure out how you want to deal with that. But I was able to get some advice from some very, very veteran tournament organizers, such as Dirk and Soth, but also Bay J, who is someone I know is who we probably should give at least a little bit of a shout out to. He is hey, for sure deserves yeah. a shout out. He is the pro- he's the producer of the Alliance tournament. He doesn't run the like team organizational side of it. That's all done by CCP. But all everything that you see on the actual broadcast of the Alliance tournament is run by that man and he has done an amazing job in elevating the production quality and the expectations of professionalism around the alliance tournament scene since the start of his involvement in fact he was a he was the guy to bring me in to commentating on the alliance tournament about uh, seven years ago when i was 19 just been on the csm he asked if i wanted to come and be an analyst for him and i did and then the rest is history pretty much so yeah he gave me some sound advice in terms of how to deal with things. Basically, just, you know, don't mess up your original plan. You know, make the teams fit what you've already got in your mind. Don't stretch your production too thin and make what you want to make. Don't worry about what, at the end of the day, the uh, the teams want because the teams aren't the people organizing it. They're not the people who are going to have to deal with the consequences of uh, the decisions that get made. You know what? That last point, I think, is the most salient thing to know if you're going into tournament organization, right? Like, if you're trying to organize an event, make it the event that you want it to be. Don't worry about the people who are going to engage with the event, because people who are going to engage with the event, they're going to engage anyway. People who aren't going to engage with the event, they're going to find a reason not to engage. So make make it what you want it to be, rather than to the people who I mean sure you want to get some engagement you want to you you want to have people decide that your event is positive and quality but yeah if if somebody doesn't want to engage then let them not engage 
don't worry about it. Yeah, and I, I will say for anyone out there who's listening, who is maybe thinking about running a tournament, absolutely do so. You know, I, the only advice I'd give is try and make sure that you have a small scale for where you're starting with. Make sure you know a couple of. Make sure you reach out to a couple of people beforehand, so you know you're going to have referees and streamer. That's those are the core things. You can't run a tournament without those those two very key ingredients, along with CCP support. That's probably the third. And just run one. Like you don't have to worry about things being perfectly produced in your first time. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting a, a tons of teams or a big prize pool. I mean, the prize pool for my tournament is not a huge amount. It's twenty two thousand plex, which is like six sixty sixty billion or something like that. I don't know. I don't. I don't pay for myself with plex, or I haven't paid for myself with plex in a long time. Yeah. No. I. I, I and, and that was uh, all funded by the teams as well. I didn't put up any of the money for it. You know, you teams will voluntarily fill a prize pool to compete amongst themselves because they love competing. You know, all you're doing is providing something for them, and it is amazing fun to get them to to watch them kind of play around with the rule set you've created. I've been able to been fortunate enough to just go and watch some of the scrims of the teams that have been particip- that are participating in my tournament, and it is just delightful to think to see people come up with like edge cases of things that you didn't even think you'd like you didn't consider in when you were planning out like your format of how people were going to fly in it and you know the limitless the limitless nature of an eve online player's creativity is a beauty to behold i'm not gonna lie and no matter how watertight and bullshit free you think you've made your rule set Even online players will find a way to break it, and that is glorious fun to watch, I'm not going to lie. There is always a meta that will be introduced, and you just kind of have to learn to accept that there's always a meta. But no, I think you made a very, very good point that I want to really emphasize, which is, hey, reach out to the people who've done this before. Myself, Jintan, you know... Bayart J, Ithaca Hall. Everybody who's run tournaments previously is so willing to be there and help you out, right? Like we we, we, we all want we, the tournament for built, Yeah, we've all built on the shoulders of everybody else, and we like our opinion. We, yeah, we well, I mean, we're here on this talk show. We're we're here just being opinionated people on this talk show so yeah like we're quite happy to give you our experience and kind of help help out in in the sense of if you want our help we will provide it oh that's a good shout too i know there's also lots of players so every time a tournament rolls around i always get dms asking about how how someone can be a commentator or something along those lines so just like always whenever you're advertising just post your discord and say hey if you want to help just let me know like that's how i was a referee for anger games i just messaged soft i was like can i referee and he's like congrats you're a referee now <laughs> so like i just, yeah. just kind of thrown into it yeah you you you, you oh, got man. the job because you were stupid enough to volunteer and my edit was like, thank god someone messaged me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So for refereeing, that is 100% the case. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I mean, the worst that happens is either like the scheduling doesn't work, or you, maybe you don't like it, you're like, I want to try doing this, and then you end up not liking it, and people can adjust. It's super easy for people to adjust to that, like taking you off the schedule or moving someone else in, and so it's like, at least you tried and realized you don't like it, versus, you know, not trying at all. 
Oh my god, you you bring up the schedule like the the, oh, yeah, schedule, the schedule it the, the schedule isn't set in stone until about five minutes after the broadcast go live goes live, right? Like you know, it you've got your referees and you've got who you think is gonna be available to to cast matches, but you don't know until they're there in the Discord call and ready to go, right? So we, we we literally had a caster have someone crash into his car five minutes before the match he was supposed to cast. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just it it doesn't happen unless they're present and correct in in that sense. So you you're always making adjustments. You're making adjustments on the fly. Well, realistically. The, the the only key role is the streamer. Having somebody available to stream is the key thing, and everything else can be made up, because, hey, you can grab people from the desk and throw them into a, a match analysis. That that happens. I mean, hey, Dirk, I, you, I, I hear you don't even need to have a streamer immediately. Uh, no, you absolutely need to have a streamer immediately. Not having <laughs> a streamer immediately is what causes the problem. No, I'm talking about the time where your streamer quit on you like a day before a tournament. And you, you no, 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 quit on no, us no, the no, day before. No, no, he, he quit on us ten minutes after we were due to go live. <laughs> like, like, literally, we, he was arguing with people, and we were like, hey, we were supposed to go live five minutes ago, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm out. Yeah. A huge shout out to Eventy and If The Curtain Bay bailing us out in that situation just by the way like Bay I- Ithaca basically sent Bay a message saying hey look I got into an argument with somebody and they bailed can you like help these guys out and he he, he jumped in Bay jumped in streamed our, our first weekend gave me a crash course in streaming as well during the week, like we, we we had a call where he explained, you know, the various bits of OBS that I needed or wanted, and I, I took it over for the next like two weekends. But yeah, if, with without even T, that the like the the Angry Games Rebirth just would not have been streamed. It was it, it was rough. It, it was really rough at the time. It's also worth pointing out, this happens all the time. I think, was it CCP or even T where they had the streamer, they were all set up and they went live and then the internet to the whole building cut out or something crazy like that happened one time and everyone was like, uh, what do we do? So we had like one guy remotely like logging in to the account to stream and it was all like, I think it was Ithaca, like, logging in, like, hotspotting his, like, Wi-Fi. And it was, like, super bad. And he had, like, MS Paint up on the desk as they were trying to figure everything out. Yeah. So stuff I happens. Mean, did, Being able to be flexible is really good. Did, did, <laughs> just just turn around and do a thing, right? Like, if you can just do a thing and get it running, people will understand. For sure. If you want to go for, if we're going to go for funny tournament running stories, one of the earlier 80s, I think like 85 or 6, was being run back before the days of Twitch or particularly easy internet streaming. And because of that, CCP's internet connection at the time wasn't good enough to actually broadcast live video to the internet. 
So they had to string a physical cable across a road to another building, which actually had that in- the enough internet. And halfway like, through one of the days, the internet, the whole stream just completely shut off immediately because a truck had driven into the cable and ripped it apart. So they this is just the shit that you, you sign up for when you decide to run a tournament. <laughs> you, you just sign up for it. It's fine. Yeah. All right. I know, I know behind the scenes, Jen, you wanted to talk a bit about like the current health of the tournament scene. I know we've talked a lot about how we've gotten here, but how do you guys think the tournament scene is doing now? Do you think, I know, Soth, you mentioned there's new tools that could be built, but overall, what, what are you thinking? I, I don't think I've ever seen the tournament scene this healthy, apart from maybe like 8013 to 8014 when we had legalized gambling on it, which was a massive boon for the actual viewership of the tournament for obvious reasons and that it's just down to how ccp has changed their approach to the tournament they've tried to make it more of a circuit than just the alliance tournament and some other things beside you've seen that through the issuance of places and guaranteed places in the alliance tournament being given as rewards for good placings in these player run tournaments i believe and games five had three the top three placed teams go through to the Alliance tournament without having to do a buy-in or the feeders. And equally, there's been a much more equitable prize distribution that's taken hold in CCP, sorry, in the Alliance tournament. So now if you win two matches, you're guaranteed prize ships. And that is a massive change compared to how it was before when you had to get top four to get prize ships. So you had to get depending on what specific year you're talking about, either four or five wins to be guaranteed any money, any return on your investment at all, which is, quite frankly, ridiculous. And now, you know, if you go in there as a new team, you have every chance of potentially walking away with some of the rarest ships in the game in form of prize ships. This year was the Mimir and the... The Mimir and the... It was the Gary and the Bestler. Yeah, they they changed it, yeah. Because they, they, they said that they were going to do Mimitar prize ships in a, a revamp, and then they didn't. They did whole new ships because CCP had the bandwidth. But no, you actually make a very, very good point in that it, it only taking two match wins to get any sort of return on your investment. When it comes to the Alliance tournament, uh, CCP are giving away huge amounts of money, generally. The, the the ships themselves are very valuable. You're talking normally 100, 150 billion-esque a, a ship to start with. And to be able to get that from two match wins versus six or seven match wins is is huge. It's, uh, it's really very much more potential to return on the investment because, as we've already discussed, these teams are practicing... They're trying to figure out what the hell the meta is. They're doing it for months at a time. So yeah, that that return on on your time investment is is huge. I think in it was AT fifteen. I did the math once with some folks. I think it was like the Hydra team, and they got second that year or something along those lines. But they they did the math and they realized if they had Roracle mind with a single Roracle instead of practicing, they would have made more money than winning those prize ships at getting second. 
And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that, like that, like that kind of stuff is like insane when you think about it from like one of the top tier teams versus like average Joe Schmo, you know, just mining in his Rorikul out in Nullsec. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that we we, we still thing. do it because we enjoy it, right? Yeah. Like that—that's the thing. Like the the enjoyment factor, it becomes such a like the time sink isn't the issue. It's whether or not you actually have fun with it. Well, this is why we side, all love doing it. On the other side, I think CCP's end has become better as well. Like the the communication, for example, with CCP has become so much easier. I, I remember when we organized the first Anger Games, it took me five emails and sending two CSM to finally get a reply. And it it kept being that complicated. Like the communication was just going over emails back and forth. And nowadays it's like you hit up CCP Zealous, and the next day you have a meeting with him and Convict and talk about, hey, what are your plans? And you can already see things going into motion after 24 hours, right? God, yeah. Um, the, the, there's a whole bit where we, we can just like ping CCP as like, I, I, I think there's, there's a level of privilege that we have in that we've spent the time, we've put in the ex, like, Right, we have the relationships already, but yeah, the 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 whole bit where we can just ping whoever we we can ping Zealous, we can ping Convict, we can ping I forget what Elise Randolph's name is nowadays. Swift, Swift. Uh, Swift. but like you you shoot them a message on Discord and they get back to you pretty quickly, and. The, the ability to be able to just, like, do that rather than having to go through... Or, or not rather than, but alongside going through the email process, right? They, they, they have a process to run a tournament. You, you still have to go through that, but you get it... You get it seen so much quicker. And, and it's so much easier to bring across what you want to do and for them to tell you the challenges you will face like face to face, right? Then, then it is to do that in an email chain. Yeah, meetings are way better than just emailing back and forth two hundred times. I mean, how have you how have you enjoyed that that experience yourself, Jintan? Like, how is yeah, how is organizing the the new Captain's Cup been for you? It's been it's been remarkably easy. Like I said, I said in the original application the application for this year in January. Actually, no, I sent it just off, I sent it two weeks after the conclusion of the AT. And then I started really working on things when we got into the new year. Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to talk about that stupid fucking decision? I, I don't think so. I wasn't prepared to, but if you have comments about it, this is the one that's very similar to the, like, if you're banned from the game, you can't do... No, that's a different one. No, no, it is that. It, it, pretty it, sure. Okay. If you're if you're banned if you're banned from the game or something, you can't participate in well, Playground tournaments, which banned. I personally don't have. It's problem. if you have any infractions at all. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Right, so you can actually play the game, but you can't take part in tournaments. How has that been working out then for y'all? Got more paperwork. Yeah. So the the, the problem with that is. It's it's more heavy on CCP than on us, right? We just make too 
we just make sure that we give them the roster, we give them a bunch of names, and they have to check those if, if they are okay to play, which adds a bunch more work for them, which then delays the process of getting people accounts for Thunderdome. The, the delay is definitely the most frustrating part of it, but also it's it's one of those things where you can't just have any random person sign up and like it, it's fine anymore, right? I, I I'm not suggesting that people should be able to break the rules and have no consequences, but also, yeah, when when it comes. It just adds another another step and another bureaucratic moment, right? It, it it's it it's valid, but it's not a great experience in terms of how we interact with CCP and and how that's used, right? I think it makes I I, I understand why you want to do it. You don't want people who. Best represent best represent the game, being the face of the game in in the public eye. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think the only real issue is that you generally can't give feedback to the teams until accounts start to get distributed, and that means you can be practicing with someone for you know two to three months, not realize they have an infraction on their account, and then suddenly you get told, oh, sorry, you can't use this player in the actual tournament, and you need to find a replacement for them with like two weeks to go, which is. Yeah. That that's also a huge part, yeah. The, the, uh, the like problem there is not knowing uh, who. The problem there is that again, it, it's a pretty hands-on process, right? Because it's not just hey, you have an infraction, that means you can't partake. That that's not how it's done. Because CCP actually look into what was the infraction that happened, right? If if someone just um, made a ticket saying that, that you're a botter and it was investigated and in the end you were cleared, you, you still have a note on your account, right? That comes up, but that doesn't matter for, for a tournament. On the other hand, if you were throwing insults around in, in local chat, that is something very different. I, I'm kind of confused though. Like, so I know with CCP, they kind of revamped their policy where if you are banned from a real life meetup, then it's like you shouldn't be playing the game. Why would they not include that here? Like, if you do something so heinous that they don't mm. want you on a broadcast or they don't want you flying in a tournament, why not just ban them? Like, perma ban them. They, 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 they kind of have, but haven't, if that makes sense, right? Like, they, the, there's. There's definitely a ban policy in place, and like you say, you know, if people are egregious, then they get banned, and so nobody has to worry about it. But in terms of the everyday, like, hey, I, I got really, I got really mad one day and yelled at somebody in local, but I, I, I'm not really worried about it. I just got, I, I just got mad one. It turns out that that now works into CCP's events policy and CCP's events policy applies to tournaments. So we're, we're here going hey, look, you, you yelled at somebody we, we, we actually, yeah, you know, you could give us the logs and we could kind of look at it and go, hey, you're a pretty reasonable person down the line but because you you yelled at somebody that way 
and because that's got you flagged at CCP, we can't do anything because CCP have applied the policy. And it, it, it's, it's a CCP-managed thing, unfortunately. Right? Like, it, I, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't really want players to be in charge of this sort of thing. Though. That's, that's kind of the only issue here. It, it, it's one of those things where we can manage an event and not be able to decide who is able to participate in our event. And in some cases, people should not be able to participate. But in some cases, you look at it and you go, eh, really? <laughs> that, that's, that's the tricky part of it, is that we're now, we're now so beholden to CTP and uh, management policies. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really tricky one. And I'm not particularly impressed with the way CCP are doing it, but also I see why they're doing it. Yeah, I feel like it's still sort of early stages, so hopefully it gets refined over time, where instead of, you know, you guys submitting rosters and them having to go through all the hoops, that it's just more like instant, right? Like you can submit it through a website and then it spits everything out or whatever. I don't know. It, Isn't that... it, it, it's, it, it's only been in place for eight months. Yeah. CCP is very slow to iterate. The running we thing. We haven't right? noticed. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. So I want to kind of, we're over, like, we're almost an hour and a half into the show. My cat says hello yet again. But I was curious if anyone had any final thoughts, any topics we haven't touched on yet before we wrap up. Yeah. What watch tournaments, comment about them, participate in them. Just generally, if you, if you like tournaments, do whatever you can to be involved in them because that's the only way you're going to get more of them, basically. If people, if anyone out there is listening and you want to try being a commentator or a referee or an analyst, feel free to poke me in my DMs. Uh, I am in the TIS Discord, so you should be able to find me there. If not, my details are all over Reddit. Give me a, give me a shout. I will happily find room for you on the broadcast. Alrighty, Soth or Dirk? I, I guess this is final thoughts, final, yeah, final thoughts, final shoutouts, anything? Well, Jen already said it. Like, if if you want to get involved, um, you don't necessarily have to join a team, right? There there are jobs for pretty much every level of 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 Eve player. I, I want to say, in in a tournament, you don't you don't have to be a caster. You don't have to do analytics on on a match to be helpful. Refereeing, for example, is is way easier than most people think it is. And it takes a huge burden off our shoulders, right? Being there on Discord answering questions for of people can be super helpful. I want to shout out Table here, who who has God. just been doing. We're giving that. him, we're we're giving him a a bigger head than he deserves. But okay, well, well, yeah, but like the the guy isn't officially staff for Anger Games, and and yet. He has been so helpful just answering random questions that, that just come up all the time, right? Yeah. yeah if, if you want to get involved, just reach out. And I, I can tell you, if, if you're willing to put the time in, we will gladly have you. Yeah. I mean, my, my one last thing, my, my kind of point would just be to reiterate this, which is hilarious, right? Just just reach out. It's not difficult to find something to do. And we can we can do that for you. So definitely like reach out. If you're interested in tournaments, 
throws a th- throws a DM. You know, Jintan says that he's available on Reddit. Austin and I aren't difficult to find either. <laughs> like, yeah, just throw us a message and we'll we'll figure something out. No, oh. for sure. Thank you all. I was gonna say no. Thank you all for coming on here, talking about the history of tournaments player run tournaments as they are today and ideally the future of tournaments right in your game six please so i i want to say i super appreciate it and then i know you guys mentioned this before but huge shout out to folks at ccp trying to help enable these these tournaments to be ran as well as everyone else we didn't mention i know we threw out a lot of player player names but there's a lot of folks that do this including the pilots themselves that compete um jen i do just want to say that you you mentioned the tournament history we could have spent so much more time talking about tournament history a little bit if you really history. wanted, but like that probably would have ended up with a, a five-hour podcast or something. So Artemis would have yelled at me. It's probably good that we we, we only got like nah. I, I have never had five-hour-plus-length discussions with people about the history of the AT whilst drinking. <laughs> never done so that. Why? That's a lie, and I know it's a lie because you've done it with me. Yep, He's on camera, you can see his Yeah. But no, so Jen... We, we, we are not so nerd. So, last, last shout's going to be, Jen, when is your tournament and where can we watch it? You can watch it on February the 25th and 26th on NT's Twitch channel, which I believe is twitch.tv slash eve underscore nt underscore tv. And it will be probably on the same channel for March, where it will be on the 17th and 18th, and the 25th and 26th as well. Alrighty, awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. I I super appreciate it. Thank you to everyone in chat. I also appreciate it. Sorry for the technical difficulties. This is what happens when you talk about tournaments. We get technical difficulties. So with that... Uh, Thank you for inviting us. (laughs) So with that... We will send you guys off to a raid. We're going to roll to credits, but stick around for the raid. I believe we're going to Panda if he's still streaming. Bye, everyone.